This is episode number 101 with Curtis Estes and Visualization. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is Jared Warren, where each episode my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me today. Now let's kick things off. Hey, look, I'm not going to kick off a podcast without telling you again. Just as I've said before, you owe it to yourself right now to go check out creative-element.com. In the world of graphic design, there is nobody that comes close. The team over at Creative Element will help you put together a wide array of graphic design solutions. Everything from banners to logos, they've got it all. Don't take my word for it, because I think you're going to love what you see over there. That's creative-element.com. Welcome back to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren, and I'm so excited to have you guys back on the podcast. And we're going to be talking about visualization today. I had the opportunity to get Curtis Estes back on the line. And for those of you who don't know, I had the chance to partner with Curtis last year in 2015, where we finished up my book, From Success to Significance. And the idea there was, how do we become significant in our lives versus just chasing after success time and time again? Success on paper can be great. Success financially can be great. But what are you really doing to leave a lasting legacy? What are you doing each day to help prevent yourself from getting burnout, from getting in the ditch of mental thinking? And so what we did was we created a workbook that ties into a lot of things that we talk about here on the Success 101 podcast with each episode. And I encourage my readers that even if you don't have a chance to go through the entire book, sit down, map out your ideas with the different exercises that are included in there, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. So today, Curtis and I are bringing you a call that we had together on the idea of visualization. And there's a lot of wisdom around visualization, which is really, to me, just a technique for using your imagination to create what it is that you want in life. And if we're not taking Taking time to carve out time during our days to imagine what it is that we're trying to create or what we want in life, then rarely is that going to come our way. Curtis has said it many times before that we must live our lives by design and not just live a life of default, only to realize that we never accomplish many of the things that we're trying to do out there day in and day out or over a lifetime. And here's the deal. If you think about it, most people are limited by visions of their past results. And all they're doing is they're just replaying previous failures over and over in their mind, previous disappointments or previous letdown. And what we've got to do is we've got to understand that visualization really does enable you to design the vision that's going to take the place in your mind of letting go of those past defeats, letting go of those past failures and understand where you're trying to go in your future. And it's going to be a very compelling and exciting future that you're creating for yourself by taking time to visualize it. So here's what I want all of you to do as you're listening into the podcast. I want you to visualize your biggest goals, your deepest desires, your, you know, whatever your life changing, most exciting thoughts would be to where if I achieve them, if If I went out this year and I had a chance to achieve those things, they would make all the difference in the world to where it was that I was trying to go and what I was trying to accomplish in order to be significant in life. And the more clear your visions are, the more detailed that you make them, the more compelled you're going to be to reach them and the more exciting they're going to be to become a reality. You've heard me mention before how much I love the Miracle Morning and visualizations play a huge part into the morning routine that I have. 
thinking about my day, thinking about what's ahead on the calendar, thinking about the man that I want to become and how I'm going to handle certain hurdles when they come my way. And the more clearly and the more vividly you see what you want, the more intensely you're going to allow yourself to experience those feelings. And when you take time to map out your visions, just like we talk about here on the call that you're going to hear in just a moment, you're going to see it in writing. Your brain's going to wire that in even more so than just thinking about it. And that's what we really encourage you to do here on the call today. And I've got a bonus for you all today that you're going to hear Curtis mention at some point in the recording, and that is that I'm going to put the full links on both iTunes and SoundCloud in order for you to pull up these exercises that we're talking about in the first section of our book, From Success to Significance. So if it's a little hard to understand what we're trying to describe in the call here in a few minutes, no worries. Just go straight to the link. You'll be able to pull up the exercises that we're talking about. And then I'll mention that again at the end of the show so that you remember to go into the full show description, click on the links, and it's going to take you right to these exercises. So with that, let's go ahead and join the call that I had with Curtis Estes as we bring the concept of visualization to you from the first section of my book, From Success to Significance. And I hope you get a ton out of these exercises as you break away from the busyness of the day and sit down to map out your visualizations and the person you are becoming. Hey, good morning, Curtis, and uh, welcome to the call. How are things out there in California this morning? They are even better now that I'm on the uh, phone here with you. I couldn't be more excited to talk about uh, our book, From Success to Significance. Well, I'm glad to have you back on, and uh, I had told the listeners before that you should be a repeat guest on the Success 101 podcast, and so we're glad to have you back, and I know that this is going to be a really exciting recording for you to share a lot of wisdom that you have around the book, and I'm eager to hear some of the notes that you've taken and some of the things you'll share with our our listeners today. So if you want to go ahead and kick things off, then feel free. I'm going to let you uh, run with it. Great. So the whole concept behind the book started after 15 years in the financial planning business. And as you know, we talk with our clients a lot about money. And while money is important, it's not necessarily and hopefully the most important thing. You know, the most important things to us and to our clients is our family, our faith, our friends, giving back and making a difference. And so after uh, many years of just talking with folks about money, I thought, gosh, I'd love to go deeper with them. And as you know, goal setting has always been central to kind of the way I operate. And so I, I was just sharing more of my goals with my clients. And what happened is they said, wow, that's really cool. I should spend more time on my goals. And so what happened was I became you know, more of a, a goal planner with many of my clients. I was helping them with their goals. And it was really, really fun, and we were seeing great uh, results from the clients. And I thought, gosh, you know, I don't necessarily want to do this on a one-off basis um, all the time. Maybe I could help a lot more people by putting the ideas together in the book. Uh, that was uh, shortly before you and I started working together, which was so much fun for me. And then we had this opportunity to uh, partner on the edition from success to significance. And I thought today would be fun to go over the first section of the book, the vision building activities of the book, to give uh, our listeners an opportunity to think bigger about their vision for the future and what are some specific activities that they can do to get clear on their bigger why and how they can get to their uh, life by design sooner than anyone expects. 
Hey, Curtis, let me ask you, I know I've shared with the listeners before that vision is something that I struggle with uh, a lot, whether it's my brain wandering during that time or whether it's just trying to create my own future in my mind and realizing that that's a hard thing to do. I know that that's something that you mentioned struggling with in our last recording whenever I interviewed you, and uh, it seems that you've almost mastered that, for lack of better words. Tell me what you feel like is the biggest struggle for leaders that you visit with today or clients that you have when it comes to the vision idea. Why is it so hard for high productive, high performing people that want to create bigger and better futures to really lock in that visualization piece and really work on it? I think what happens is that when we all get started, we have a really big vision. Uh, you know, that that first day on the job, we all were like super excited. Wow, you know, I've graduated from college and now I, I'm ready to, to take on the world. It reminds me of Michael J. Fox and the Secret of My Success movie, the kid from the cornfields of Kansas who moves to New York City. And I think we all started out with a really big vision and a compelling why. But I think what happens for uh, many people, especially the most successful people, is they don't reset that why. They don't get continually evolved vision in their mind, and so they just kind of keep going through the motions and then wake up one day, and they don't have a, a reason for what they're doing. And so they've been in that pattern of just operating off of an old vision that really doesn't apply to them anymore that it makes it tough and it's that battle of inertia that we all can fill. And so what I love to talk with folks about is that you have to always be reevaluating your why. And with a big enough why, how does it matter? And I think back to the story of a mentor of mine, Cliff Canucci, who shared the story from uh, the main stage at a conference I was at where two tourists were walking through a city and they came across a big building project and uh, they knew it was going to be something amazing because uh, it was taking up an entire city block they just didn't know what it was and they came across this fellow uh, who was working at the site kind of a gruff looking worker and they said excuse me sir what what is the project that you're working on and in a very uh, terse tone with a bad attitude he said what does it look like I'm laying bricks leave me alone I've got work to do they were disappointed, uh, but not uh, dismayed, and they walked a little bit farther down the construction site, and they saw another worker who had a smile on his face, and he was whistling uh, cheerily, and so they thought, well, maybe they could ask him, and he was so excited to get their question. He said, well, my goodness, can't you see? I'm building a cathedral, and here's a guy who's doing the same exact thing, laying bricks, but in his mind, he's building a cathedral. And so what I always love to share with people is what's that cathedral that you're building? Because we're all going through life. We're all going to live life one way or the other. And we really get to choose our attitude. And for me, having that clear vision for the future creates that bigger, emotionally compelling why uh, that gets me excited to wake up really early in the morning, like uh, today, to share what's made such a huge difference for me over the years. And that's great. And I know that you mentioned a quote that really stuck with me where you said far too many of us have become accidental tourists in our own lives, just allowing happenstance to be our guide and really just carrying heavy baggage around uh, imposed of action and fear. And I, that really spoke to me because I feel like I am, you know, I, I've never explained it that way, but I am just a tourist sometimes in my own life. I've said on many of the recordings that I've put out there that I had a business coach at one point that said, 
you know, I feel like you just jump from task to task to task. You never really sit and are present. And I really didn't know what he was talking about whenever he said that. I thought he meant, you know, just haphazardly flying around and, and not really caring that I was there at work or showing up halfway. And what he meant by that was, no, you you are just jumping from task to task and your brain doesn't even know many times that you've moved to another task. And I want you to just sit and be present because I don't get the sense that you've really taken the time to do that many times. And it was just like, you know, as silly as that sounds, it was just like a light bulb went off in my mind and uh, I thought, man, when was the last time I was just present? And I think that's part of the, you know, part of the visualization is just not being these accidental tourists in our own lives and uh, and filling up our activities, as you mentioned as well, as, as what we should be doing in life and being out of balance with what we want to be doing in life. So can you speak to that? I know that uh, just in the time we've had together in the past as well, the shoulds of the life and how, how the dislikes you know, usually take over versus the wants in the life, which are the things that we really want to do. How did you tap into that early on and, and figure out how to build your calendar to where the wants were really what was taken over when, you know, honestly, there's a lot of things in our life that end up being shoulds that we have to get done. We just can't avoid it. Well, what uh, became clear to me after having built the business was that a lot of things just kind of get onto your calendar with the best of intentions that maybe were appropriate for a period of time that maybe you don't have to be doing um, anymore or somebody else could be doing better. And so as uh, we go through this first section of the book, the vision building section, we have a, a bunch of different exercises, and we really approach this book more as a workbook than just a, a, a novel that you would read. And so to your point, there is that uh, section that we put in there on wants versus shoulds. And what happened for me was I was just you know, finding myself very reactive in life, and reactive isn't fun. And so I thought, gosh, I'm just going to write down everything that I do in a given week and characterize them as what are the things that I want to do versus the things that I should do. And so a super easy exercise for everybody listening is just to take a blank sheet of paper and write down all the things that you do in a given week and put down, do you want to do these things or do you feel like you should do these? And there are some shoulds that you end up still having to do, but the goal is to delegate more and more of the should activities so you can spend more and more of your time on the want activities. And if you do that, it's so freeing and energizing and immediately gives you um, energy to do more of that. And we'll talk uh, even further about taking that exercise to the next level uh, when we get to the pyramid flip exercise in just a couple minutes. We encourage the readers of the book to find a 24-hour block of time that reflects their typical day and then really just take an honest account of the details within that day and classify each activity into one of two categories. And as I mentioned, those are going to be the wants that are in your schedule, the activities that you love versus the shoulds in your schedule, the activities that you dislike. I find that I've, you know, even with that in mind, I find that so many times I'm I'm doing the shoulds in life. I'm just playing from behind, as I like to say, to where I'm trying to catch up. And once I started becoming more mindful of that, and once I started looking in my schedule at, at what I was doing, uh, you know, feeling like I was always playing from behind and trying to catch up, I realized it was typically because I was working on so many of those shoulds in life. And it was really just bogging me down. It was just draining me every single day. And so once I started focusing on the wants in my life, and how do I build that in, 
things became much more clear as to, you know, how am I going to get to my why? How am I going to eliminate some of this burnout that I have just being in reactionary mode, as I've, as I've mentioned quite a few times on the episodes that I put out here, and just making sure that I'm living in control of my day a little bit more. And when I was able to take a step back and see that, I realized that so many people, my clients, my colleagues, the young you know, financial advisors that I coach and develop here, so many people without realizing it are just building their schedules full of shoulds and not really full of wants. And, uh, and I, that was just uh, very profound for me to come to that realization. You know, one of the things that I think could give a lot of folks uh, uh, energy and inspiration to tackle some of those uh, shoulds versus wants is the other exercise we start out the book with, and that's creating the highlight reel. And the idea we had behind the highlight reel is that every professional athlete and all the people on the TV screen and movie screen, they all have highlight reels. They all have basically a short series of clips of them at their best. And I thought, you know, we all should have highlight reels. And so the idea was, let's again take a blank sheet of paper and just write down all the great moments in our life. And when I did this exercise for the first time, and I love your thoughts on how it was for you, Jared, it just gave me so much energy because I realized there were so many great things that have happened. And when I realized that I was in control and so much of my life and the great moments in that life were situations that occurred because I wanted to do it. I wasn't stuck in things that I should do. Yeah, the highlight reel, I'm glad you asked. It was, and I don't even think I've ever shared this with you, the highlight reel was probably one of the most simple exercises as far as, you know, I didn't have to map out a lot of things. I didn't have to really put a lot of work into something. It was basically just sitting there and taking, you know, quite a bit of time, really enjoying, reflecting back on the moments of my life. So though it was simple and I could just sit there and reflect back on the things that I have done that were profound to me, it was probably one of the most impactful exercises that I've ever done. And it actually was so it would, it actually was so impactful for me that it blew me away how uh, how easy it was. Again, not really something that you have to work at a lot and then just lots and lots of value that came from it. So what I tell people whenever I describe the highlight reel is these may be moments that don't mean anything to anybody else. They may be moments that some people would look at and think maybe are a little sometimes even goofy or silly. But these are moments that for us, from as far back as you can remember these were when you felt like you were on the mountaintop. These moments are moments that have been seared into your brain of the millions of thoughts and the millions of moments that we have over a lifetime. These moments are the ones that get, you know, really locked into that gray matter of your brain that you're able to pull back out with vivid detail, vivid expressions. And uh, it was pretty amazing whenever I went through it. And the other thing that I've told our listeners before, too, is that's, you know, really amazing to me. And this plays into part of the highlight reel as well is that we just have millions of conversations throughout our life. And there are certain things that people say to us that are really important, you'd think, to just the general population out there. And sometimes we have trouble remembering those things because they just didn't mean a lot to us. Whereas there's certain just very insignificant things to everyone else out there that we will remember for the rest of our life. And that's that's always been really fascinating to me, the way that the brain works. And so through this exercise, I was able to sit down and, and found it very enjoyable to just sit back and relax. I remember the first time that I did this, it was a couple of years back and I was sitting in our kitchen and nobody was home. And I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go through this exercise here. And it, uh, it was just, it, I guess just describe it as very enjoyable to sit there and just take time to meditate on the things that I've done 
in life. And really, whenever I finalized that list, whenever I finally said, okay, I think these are all the things that I would call my mountaintop moments. To me, the most exciting thing about it is, as I looked over that list, it was a reflection of my life. It was the things that have made me the man that I am today and the things that have made me the person and the husband and the father that I am today and just the individual unique person that I am and that everyone out there, you know, is their own unique person. But these are the moments that meant a lot to me. And so I would encourage everybody to create their own highlight reel, even if they don't have our book. Again, take out a sheet of paper and start from as far back as you can remember and just start jotting down ideas and thoughts that, again, may not mean a lot to other people, but these are your mountaintop moments where you felt like you were on top of the world. And then take an inventory of that list whenever you're done. And it's really going to be a reflection of who you are. And those moments have made you the person that you've become today. And uh, and that's very exciting. Yeah, and what I love about it is it it really feeds into that next exercise, the pyramid flip, because as you look at those things that were most important to you over your life, it gives you a good clue about those things that you probably want to be doing more of in the future. And the whole concept behind the pyramid flip is that most people are spending a lot of their time in the should category of life, things that they should do, and probably not as much time as they'd like in the want part of their desires. And so the idea is to just draw a big triangle on a blank sheet of paper, and the top part of the pyramid are all those things that you love to do, um, that we call them the penthouse activities, and then have a middle section, the the safe house activities, activities that you, you know, you're not disappointed to do, but you don't love doing, they don't give you the same sort of passion. And then at the bottom, the base of the pyramid, the outhouse activities, those that you dislike. And what we love to help our readers do is just to think, you know, if you were to flip that pyramid, wouldn't it be amazing to have the most amount of your time every day spent in the penthouse Um, and the least amount of your time every day spent in the outhouse. And I think people get that concept fairly rapidly. And then once you have identified all the penthouse activities versus the safe house activities, you literally can start brainstorming, well, what can I change so that I'm spending more time doing those activities that I love to do and less and less time in those things that I don't like doing? In our business, there's a lot of technological innovations that have allowed us to be much more efficient with our time. And I just know that when I was a young advisor, I'd spend so much time dictating case notes from our client meetings. And the day that I learned about this copy talk transcription service, it was like a game changer for 50 bucks a month. I could literally just leave a voicemail with all the case notes and somebody else transcribed it for me. And so it took something that was originally several hours of my time into just a few minutes of my time. And so I'd encourage all the readers to uh, just get ingenious about the things that they love to do and how they can do more of them and the things that they hate to do and how they can do less of them. One of the things that I'm working on now is finding someone who can literally be what I call my ideal life facilitator. And I want to have somebody whose job description is to do everything I don't love to do. So I haven't found that person yet, but the idea is, you know, what if there was somebody who literally showed up at my house every morning and they drove me to the first meeting and they had everything that I needed for the first meeting and all I had to do was show up for that first meeting. They'd sit in that first meeting with me, take all the notes, identify all the action steps, and they'd be responsible for all the follow-up and then they'd drive me to the next meeting. 
And while I was in the car, I'd be able to dictate my case notes to Copy Talk and get prepared for the next meeting and just show up for the next meeting until the end of the day when they drop me off back at the house. Wouldn't it be amazing to have somebody like an ideal life facilitator so you could just spend almost all of your time in the penthouse? And that's my vision for uh, for my future. What What was this exercise like for you, Jared? It was interesting because I, and I think my wife even asked me as I was going over some of my notes with her uh, and, and really just got me thinking. She said, well, there's, you know, there's so many things in life that we have to do. How do you, you know, how do you stay out of that, that outhouse? How do you stay out of the, the bottom part of the pyramid where you're spending lots of time doing things that you don't like doing? And I don't know that I had a great answer for her at the time, but as I've thought through it more, you know, I think the answer goes right along to what you just said is it's trying to figure out ways to facilitate the busy work, the things that you're doing that, you know, really are not adding a lot of value to your life, even though you have to do them. You you might even feel like you're going through the motion or you feel like these low priority activities are leaving you really uninspired. I think being mindful of it, that, that was the biggest thing that I took away from this exercise is being mindful of what those activities are. And though we may still have to do those things, there's certain things in life that we just, you know, we have to be responsible for, right? We just can't get out of them no matter how much we dislike them. There are many ways, however, we can, if we're mindful about it, we can use certain systems to facilitate that to where we lessen the I guess the low priority activities that we that leave us uninspired, we can lessen how much time we spend in those, or we really can probably cut out a lot of them that we never thought we could before. And, you know, I love your idea of having someone there with you at all times. That's, that's a great idea. Uh, I'm sure there's some people listening to this that say, well, yeah, right. That's a, you know, that's a pie in the sky dream. You know, there's no way I can build something like that in. But I think there's so many things that people can do just like that, that really they never thought about doing. And so for me, that penthouse, that's the ultimate place that we want to be. And for our listeners out there, I want to take a step back here for a second. If you're if you're trying to envision this, just as Curtis said, draw a pyramid or draw a triangle on the piece of paper to where the top part of the activities you really love to be doing, that's the, that's the penthouse. The middle part is the, you know, what we call the safe house. And then the bottom part is the outhouse. And what so many times people find themselves doing is spending very little time at the penthouse, spending a little bit more time in the safe house, and then spending a lot of time in the outhouse, just again, leaving them burnt out and uninspired. So the pyramid, top of the pyramid is where we want to be. And so we want to flip that thing upside down. And uh, we want to make sure that the penthouse is where we're spending that time. That's where we're more skilled in certain areas. That's where we're going to find our energy. That's where we're going to make sure that we're adding more, I guess, items to the highlight reel is by spending more time in that penthouse. And so it was just a great exercise for me to go through to realize that there's a lot of time I'm spending doing things that are just not adding a lot of value to my life. And even though I may have to still do them, there's plenty of ways while being mindful of it that I can figure out how to lessen the impact of the lack of value, I guess, that they're adding to my life. And you know what I think we could do, Jared, is just put all these exercises that we're talking about, uh, a link to all of them uh, on the podcast. So If you can make that happen, that'll make it even easier for all of our readers. I definitely will. Awesome. So that moves us to the the third vision building activity, and this is another of my favorites, and that's the concept of unique ability. So I was in the uh, lifetime growth program of Strategic Coach when I first heard about this concept of unique ability. And basically the idea is that we all have unique abilities, and 
A strategic coach defines your unique abilities as those activities that you love to do, that uh, you have a superior skill in them, but they give you energy and they provide never-ending activities for growth. And when I first heard of the unique ability concept, I thought, wow, you know, what are my unique abilities? And and what Dan said is that, you know, once you get clear on your unique abilities, you know, those are the activities that if you spend more and more of your time doing them, you're going to have more fun. And as a byproduct, you're going to be more successful. And I thought, man, I need to get really clear on my unique abilities. And so there's a whole bunch of exercises that uh, we take our readers through in terms of getting clear on their unique ability. But what happened for me was I realized that my unique ability wasn't the one that I thought was most appropriate for my career because in the financial planning world, it's more about numbers and planning than what my unique ability was, which is meeting, befriending, and connecting superstars for mutual benefit. And when I just say that, it just gets me excited because I imagine meeting new people and helping them meet other new people that can be game changers for their futures. And what happens is, if you can get clear on your unique ability, not only are you going to have more fun, not only are you going to have more success, but it just allows you to have that sense of fulfillment and satisfaction that I think so many people are looking for. It's the whole title of the book, From Success to Significance. What I would encourage um, all of our listeners to think about is, you know, what are those activities that give you energy, you know, you're passionate about and provide never-ending opportunities for growth? And what we found is that most people are only spending 5 to 15% of their day doing their unique ability activities. They're spending a lot of time in the safe house and, uh, and most of the time in activities that, you know, either they shouldn't be doing at all or maybe they're activities that they're good at, but they're just not passionate about. And that creates what Strategic Coach calls a feeling of complexity. And that's the feeling of being stuck, you know. Is this all there is? And so we want all of you to get clear on your unique ability so you can get to the point where you're spending 50% of your time in your unique ability. And when you can do that, it's what over time leads to genius level results. And when we think about those people who just make the most amazing things look effortless, it's because they've spent, you know, 10 years with at least 50% of their time in their unique ability. So we'd love for each of you to get clear on your unique ability. How did this impact you, Jared? Well, it was, uh, again, it was a big eye opener for me whenever I I go through it. I mean, you can put ideas down on on paper as far as things that might get people thinking and get people out of a rut that they're in. But it's so helpful for you to go through on your own because for guys like us that wrote the book, then it ends up helping you reframe that and tweak that to where it really fits into, you know, helping more people because of the way it helped you. And I know that one of the things that we ask our readers to do is to go to your friends and family members and colleagues and ask them those questions that you may be seeing only one side of the picture. I, I talk a lot of times in the recordings about lenses and how we have these lenses that we're looking out of, but we really don't know how people are seeing us. And the questions that really need to be asked are, what do you think I'm exceptionally skilled at doing considering my attitude and energy and enthusiasm? What are my strengths and when do I shine? And then what is the single attribute that most accurately describes me? And that's going to be a huge eye-opening exercise for people that have never been vulnerable and have never been just, you know, just let their, I guess, let their pride down a little bit and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to go seek out answers. And some of those answers may be really challenging to people as far as, you know, things that can help them grow and, and things that are maybe tough to hear. But a lot of those 
answers are going to be very empowering. And again, it's going to be cluing in on what you're best at and what are you exceceptionally skilled at doing. And I think it's going to give a lot of uh, a lot of character building and a lot of uh, wisdom and confidence building to people that actually take the time to do this exercise. And in fact, it reminded me of Hal Elrod, which I know, Curtis, you're a big fan of Hal Elrod and the Miracle Morning. But in one of his books, I can't remember if it was the original Miracle Morning book or if it was just on one of the uh, the blogs that he put out. He encouraged people to do a similar thing uh, where he said, you know, to put an email together that basically in, in some form just says, you know, this is this is not an easy email for me to send, but it's extremely valuable. And so I appreciate you taking the time to do it. But, you know, you're going to send this to people that know you really well, people that know you the best. Uh, but in order to give you a more accurate picture of how you're showing up in life, uh, basically just take time to think through the top two to three areas of improvement and the top two to three strengths that someone has, but then also list the top two or three weaknesses that that uh, someone feels that if you were able to sharpen those or tweak those or change those or become better at those, uh, it would just make you a much better version of yourself. And so you send that out in an email form and that's vulnerable, right? I mean, especially on the part where it's saying, you know, give me, give me two or three things that would shape me and make me better. You never know what you're going to get back on that. But any exercise like this, in my opinion, is going to be helpful for someone that has never gone through it. And again, we're looking outside at everyone else with these lenses and we don't know how they're viewing us. And we when you take the time to do it, it's just a phenomenal exercise to help with some self-reflection. Uh, and uh, another tool that will help us in our uh, quest of creating our bigger vision and to get clear on our uh, unique abilities is uh, a really uh, fun set of exercises. And it starts off with just reminding us of uh, the uh, ever-present to-do list. And I think everybody in life has had one, if not many, to-do lists going at any given time. And what we like to talk with our readers about is, you know, you're always going to have a to-do list, but there's a couple other lists you might consider starting. And we would actually strongly encourage you to consider starting. And the, the first new list to start is your to-not-do list. And whereas the to-do list is transactional, the to-not-do list is transformational. Because what happens is as we go through life, we tend to have all these activities that we feel like we should do, but they're just not serving us anymore. So start a list of activities that you just don't want to do anymore and put that on your to not do list and start crossing those off. And then the other one that we focus on in the book is really the transcendental list. And that's your to be list. You know, it's so important to have that vision for who the person you want to become is. And so it was really inspiring for me to write down that list of all the things that I want to be. How did that uh, impact you when you went through your to be list, Jared? I had never been through that exercise before, and in fact, probably my lists were, uh, or my goals, I'm sorry, were probably more shaped around what I should not be doing, and I've, I've learned throughout the last year, and I can't even remember who said it, maybe it was Dan Sullivan, uh, but I can't remember who said it, but they basically said, hey, you never want to make your goals around a a stop doing, you know, I need to stop doing this, I need to stop doing that, I need to stop doing this, because you're always going to be reminded of the things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. However, though you shouldn't make your goals around a stop doing list, you should have a stop doing list or, you know, a, a not to do list. And, uh, and that way we're reminded of it and we can learn from it, but we're setting our goals around the things that we should be doing and that we should be, uh, I guess, changing and evolving into. And that's what a lot of the to be list uh, is. Uh, I remember 
showing it to my wife for the first time when I showed her my to be list, knowing that as I handed it to her and as she read it, I, I was probably going to get some, uh, you know, some some looks from her just because the things on that list are the things that I inspire to be. And so I quickly told her, you know, she started reading. And I said, hey, now I know I don't have these things down, uh, but by listing out my to be list, I'm hopefully going to become a better, uh, you know, just follower of the Lord, a better husband, a better father, and uh, and constantly work on these over time. But my my to be list really showed me the reflection of the of the person that I should be. It was almost like, for lack of better words here, it was almost like as I was going through it, those thoughts, those feelings, those are the person that I want to become. But now that I'm mindful of it, now that I have it on paper and I took the time to do the exercise, how much more likely am I to become those things instead of just having a thought in my mind of, I should be doing this better, I should stop doing those things, and and not really recording that uh, on paper. So I would encourage everybody to do that. Again, you don't have to have our book here, but just take out a sheet of paper or a journal and just write your name and to be list at the top and then just start listing out bullet points of the things that you want to be. You know, some big ones for me were to be a man seeking God's heart, to be a faithful husband without a hint of blurred lines, to be a present and devoted father who strives to make lifelong memories with my children, and that's intentionally rather than just by showing up, just as you always say, Curtis, living your life by design. I always want to be learning. I always want to be finding ways that I can serve others better. I want to be humble and credit God as the source of my strength and accomplishments and be an encouraging spouse, father, employer, and mentor to others. So that's just a a snippet there of my to-be list, and that should be something I think that's always changing and always evolving as time goes on because things are going to impact you in different ways as we get older in, uh, in life. And that kind of leads to the, the next to last section uh, here in the vision part of the book. And that's creating your personal legacy. And what I see is that all these activities kind of build uh, one upon the other. And I loved creating my personal legacy because it was kind of a capstone. It's like, okay, if all of these things are who I'm becoming and these are the activities that I'm uniquely able to do, what could I do in my life? You know, what kind of personal legacy could I leave? And so it's just a couple paragraphs that I wrote down that kind of highlight the overriding, you know, dreams that I have for my future. But for me, it's all about getting really, really clear on that bigger why. And the personal legacy for me is what drove me and drives me literally on a daily basis to live my life to the utmost. So it starts off for me with my favorite uh, verse from the Bible, Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And from there, I just kind of talk about if that's the kind of legacy that I want to lead, what does that mean for me as a businessman? What does it mean for me as a family man? And so I share that in the book with some of my dreams. I loved your personal legacy, Jared, and it inspires me. And I'm sure that it'd be fun for both of us if any of our readers do some of these exercises. And we'd love to see how our work has uh, helped uh, each of our readers get clear on their bigger futures and moving from success to significance. I was really glad that we did it in the form of of a workbook, just as you've done before. And I think that helps people. You know, there's I, I tell people whenever I give it to them, 
many people find it hard to just sit down and read and their busy lives. And I said, okay, that's why it's a workbook. You know, even if you can't sit there and read word for word what's in the book, take the time to do these exercises. And the thing that I love about it as well is that as I go through these and I, you know, go back and revisit these from time to time and update things and change things, they build on each other. And it's, it's contagious. It's it's one of those things where you start going through the exercise and you realize the value that is that is found. Even something as simple as listing your wants and your shoulds, as we started off talking about in this in this call, that it's it's profound what you're putting down on paper and just really being present as the business coach had encouraged me before and saying, I just want you to be present. I want you to just be. And when I go through these exercises, that's what it's allowing me to do is just take a moment to pause in my busy life to stop to list out things that I really wouldn't allow my brain to go in that certain direction to reflect on things. And uh, that's what I, I hope for the readers as well, is that they take the time to do it and it just makes them a better overall person to really build in that uh, that significance. And that's really why I wanted to title the book that way, because there are all levels of success. Success can mean different things to different people. And it's the significance. What are you doing to be significant? What are you doing to create an abundant life? One of the most impactful books that I've ever read is John Piper's Don't Waste Your Life. The fear there of we're going to get out in the future and have a, a life that was just wasted on things that we just lived moment to moment. And we really didn't capitalize on the things that we should be doing and for present impact and for eternal future impact and how that all plays in. And so I think these exercises really help you stop and think about where am I going? Who am I becoming? What lessons can I learn from the past? And it's just being mindful of taking the time to do it. And it makes a, a world of difference. So that's the first section of the book. And we hope you have fun creating your highlight reel and flipping your pyramid, identifying your unique ability and identifying your to-be list and creating your personal legacy and all of those activities together should give you a lot of energy uh, and, and ideas for creating that bigger vision for your future. So, Jared, I'd love to um, continue this conversation at another point, and we can go through the other three sections of the book. Yeah, for sure. This will be definitely be part one, and uh, look forward to hearing from all of you out there who are reading the book and who have the book and how that's changing your life as well. So that's section one of my book, From Success to Significance. So grateful to have Curtis Estes on this project with me and so grateful for his wisdom that he was able to put into this book. And my question to you is this. Will you take responsibility for visualizing the future that you could go out today and have, or will you be one of the majority who continually wishes for more in their life but doesn't take the time to focus on it? That's my encouragement to you, and that's my challenge to you. Go check out the links that I'm posting in the full episode description, both on SoundCloud and iTunes, and my hope for you is that you use this to empower you to visualize a bigger future than you ever imagined. Thanks for spending time with me today. Go out and dream big as you visualize your goals through the rest of this year. Thanks so much.